You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the. BT Powerhouse podcast. Uh, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the manager of BT Powerhouse. It is October 16th, uh, Friday. Um, so yeah, everybody, uh, hopefully everybody's in a good mood for uh, the podcast today, uh, whether you're listening to it on uh, another day or, or today on uh, Friday. But um, uh, yeah, we have an exciting, exciting team to talk about today. Um, and that is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, we're going to have a, a great guest on today from uh, Today's U. Uh, Andrew uh, covered a ton of Iowa basketball, uh, Iowa sports across the board, recruiting um, when he wrote for Iowa's or 247's Iowa site. So uh, great expert on the Hawkeyes. Uh, hopefully will provide us with a lot of insight, <clears throat> excuse me, um, about the team about where the program's heading, some of the newcomers, uh, some of the returners, <laughs> um, all, along, all along that board. But um, yeah, you know, Iowa, it's in a, it's in an interesting place as a program. Um, I've actually written a few articles about them, well, a good hunk of articles about them this summer. But uh, one of the, the, the things I don't think I fully realized at the time is that, you know, Historically speaking, this is one of the best runs in Iowa basketball history um, over the last few years. You know, that sounds you know, really odd to say because, you know, this isn't a team that, um, you know, went to the Final Four or, um, you know, has reeled up a bunch of Big Ten championships. But um, it's been a successful program under uh, Fran McCaffrey. Um, it's made the, the NCAA tournament each of the last two seasons, um, three 20 win seasons in a row, uh, a lot of wins, <laughs> some rivalry wins, some big wins, um, really across the board. It's just been a, a good program with a lot of success recently. Having said that, um, I think some Hawkeye fans have been a bit frustrated that there hasn't been more, um, you know, that it hasn't really you know, Iowa hasn't really been in Big Ten title contention yet uh, under McCaffrey. Um, you know, maybe this year. Yeah, yeah. This year was the first year that it was solidly, you know, there wasn't a bubble issue <laughs> on Selection Sunday. Um, but but still, I, I do think you have to sit back and realize, you know, um, Iowa had missed the tournament for what, like four years in a row before McCaffrey had arrived. Um, no NCAA tournament wins going back all the way to, you know, the very, very early 2000s, um, which obviously Iowa got uh, last year when they had the win over Davidson. Um, but I, I do think you do have to sit back and realize, you know, this is a program that is putting together some wins. It's 
uh, been consistent. It does appear to start starting, um, the program does appear to be trending up a bit on the recruiting trail, which obviously uh, could yield more wins, <laughs> more results, uh, so to speak, in the future. So I, I, you know, I think overall, my my main point here is I, I think I was in a pretty good spot right now um, as a as a program. Um, having said that, <laughs> this is you know this is really the uh, what second or third year in a row, def- at least a second um, that Iowa is losing a massive massive contributor on on their team the year before and is going to have to find a way to kind of get someone else to emerge, put in a replacement for that player and, and kind of just overcome that loss. And unfortunately I was actually losing uh, a few big players this year. Um, but the no, the notable one that I, that I'm referencing to uh, is Aaron white. Um, you know, white was just a, an outstanding player last year. I don't think he got as much attention as he deserves. Um, I kind of have a theory, uh, <laughs> which I don't want to get too off track here um, since we're talking about White and Iowa, but I have a theory that, you know, people like to see guys who are awesome in one area. You know, they love a guy who can score a lot. They love a guy who can rebound a lot. They love a guy who can block a lot of shots. And I think generally when people see the stats and they see a guy, you know, at the top or you know, right there, um, you know, their eyes get big and wow, you know, this guy's really good. And I think they kind of undervalue players who can sort of do it all, but they're not necessarily elite in one area. And I, and I think to me, the perfect example of that is Aaron White. Um, you know, he, he was all Big Ten. I thought he deserved that. Um, you know, I didn't think he deserved Big Ten Player of the Year over Frank Kaminsky or something. But um, I think he kind of got undersold because, um, you know, he could rebound. He could shoot. He could play defense. He could, you know, block some shots here and there. Uh, he could get some steals here and there. Um, so I, you know, I think he kind of got undervalued because he wasn't, you know, epic in, you know, at shooting the ball or epic at, you know, hitting the boards or something like that. He was just really good across the board. Um, and a guy who we'll podcast about later, but uh, I think kind of fits into that role for this season. Denzel Valentine for MSU, but, but nonetheless, you know, Aaron White is a big loss um, really in a lot of areas because, you know, you're not losing just a great blocker. You're not losing just a great three-point shooter or something like that, where you can say, well, we'll just play the game differently. You know, we'll, we'll focus more on, you know, getting into the pain or we'll focus more on, you know, something else to counter out for rebounding. <laughs> trying to think off the top of my head, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, there isn't just one area where you can kind of figure like, okay, we're going to drop in this area and we can pick it up elsewhere because it really was just a really good player across the board. Um, so filling in for him is going to be quite difficult. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, we'll see if Iowa is able to, to overcome that. Um, it's going to obviously be difficult and there's a couple other players as well that they're losing. Um, but that's, that's why we have our expert here, <laughs> Andrew. Uh, a- Andrew, uh, how you doing today? Hey, uh, I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, Andrew, I think this is your first time on our podcast. So why don't you take a second to introduce yourself? 
Okay, why not? Um, my name is Andrew Kula, and uh, the reason you are listening to me talking about <laughs> the Iowa Hawkeyes, I presume we're still talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> reason, good, good, good. Uh, the reason is that for the past two years, I have been covering Iowa football, basketball, wrestling, and baseball, basically everything uh, for 247sports.com, focused specifically on a lot of recruiting. But, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years. Um, actually, I just recently uh, moved on to a different job, but I think I know enough about Iowa from uh, what they've been doing <laughs> recruiting and obviously following the team. So, uh I'm definitely the guy you can talk to right now about that. I'm cool with that. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Just what we're looking for. Um, so, uh, you know, coming into this year, I, I was talking a bit about that. I was in the midst of a pretty good run historically for the program. And, you know, if they have a good year this year, it could really set it apart. Um, what, what's kind of the general feelings about Iowa coming into this season? Yeah, it's interesting. Um I think it's a uh, one. There's a lot of excitement. Obviously, if you look at what Fran McCaffrey's been doing, he's uh, he's really built that program, you know, to the point where uh, you know they're starting to move in a very positive direction. Last year, they got into the uh, the big dance. Obviously, made a nice run, got a really big win over. Uh, I believe it was Davidson. Need to look back and make sure. I think, yep, Davidson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So got a really big win over Davidson. Um, put up a ton of points. And then, uh, so, so I think overall people are really excited because, you know, you've just seen the program kind of trend upwards. And, you know, Fran McCaffrey is a very energetic coach. Um, he's a guy that is very easy to get behind as a fan, I would assume. Um, comes with a lot of energy, comes with a lot of passion. He's kind of known for his uh, fits of anger, you know, his, uh, his face, <laughs> uh, you know. Um, but that's the kind of coach that fans tend to like and kind of a coach that players like to play for. So when you factor that in, factor the the trajectory of the program, factor in the fact that, um, you know, I was recruiting well, and then throw in McCaffrey's style of offense, which is very up-tempo, fast-break offense. They like to move the ball. They like to score a lot. Uh, you know, I think that it's pretty easy to see why a lot of people are high on Iowa basketball. Oh, I think you broke up there for a second. <laughs> oh. um, hey, can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not okay. sure. Not sure what happened there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah. And I, I was talking a little bit about, um, you know, Iowa isn't necessarily losing a ton, but they are losing some really, really good players and uh you know, Olashini, uh, Aaron White. Can you talk about a little bit what that will mean for Iowa this season? Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting um, because in those two players, Olashini and obviously Aaron White, you're losing a lot. And uh, I think uh, that's kind of the the other part of the, the story that I didn't really get to. And uh, is even though there's a lot of excitement, I think there's a little bit of caution just kind of trying to see how – First of all, they're going to replace Aaron White. He's he was a prolific scorer. He was kind of the leader of that team last year. He could rebound, pass, shoot. I mean, he could really do everything. And he was kind of the heartbeat of that program. So losing him um, to graduation was really big. And they're going to have to find somebody who can step up and replace his point, uh, step up, replace his leadership, step up and replace 
Yeah. The intangible things that he did there. Um, he was much more than a scorer. He, he, you know, he played good defense. He was able to move the ball. There's a lot that White did that kind of went under. Oh, I think you might have cut out again. <laughs> I think we might have. Out of my basement. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, let me yeah, go. It's... Let me go to high ground here. <laughs> Sorry about that for everyone listening. I um. But yeah, yeah, Aaron White obviously a you know a really diverse skill set for a player. Um, I was talking about this a little bit before you came on, but I kind of feel like players like Aaron White uh, get undervalued because they're not really really awesome in one area, but kind of just more of a a mix of skills. Do you think Aaron White was kind of undervalued nationally last year? Oh, absolutely. You know, and he wasn't too flashy either, so that's something to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, he could do so much on a, on a basketball court. And if you were to sit there and watch him for a couple of games, you'd realize how important he was to that team and just all the little things they did. And you're right. They completely got over or undervalued. So, um, he's going to be a guy that they really miss and they're going to have to find a way to replace his production, not just in scoring, but in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, with, with that, well, we can move away from sort of last year and jump, jump to this season. Um, the backcourt, for the most part, looks like it'll look kind of similar to last year. Um, you know, with Mike Gazelle, uh, Peter Yag, how how do you see the backcourt uh, sort of shaking out uh, this year? Well, I think uh, Gazelle's going to have to really step up. And uh, uh, last year, I really liked what I saw from him. You know, he's a He's kind of an interesting player because I would say he's a natural point guard. He can pass the ball, obviously, really well. He can uh, run the floor, but he can still get his own shot. Pretty good at driving. He's got a pretty decent outside shot. So he's a guy who's going to have to kind of step up his point production just to try to replace what they got from White. And then Peter Jock is just a, uh, you know, he's a, a kid who has so much potential, and we've seen bits and pieces of it through the past couple of years. Really good shooter. When he gets hot, man, I mean, he, there might not be, you know, somebody else in the Big Ten who could shoot at the level that he can when it comes to when he's in the zone from three points. So he's a very dangerous player. And those two in the in the backcourt, I think they can really do a, a good job of scoring a lot. Um, Anthony Clemens is a is another guy who can probably get some time there. Um, you know, he's a, a senior, really good defender. Uh, he's another guy who last year he kind of stepped up as far as um, two years ago. Really, you thought of him as a defender, as a guy who'd come off the bench and give you a lot of energy minutes. But last year he started scoring a lot more. So he's another guy who, you know, we're talking about replacing production, replacing leadership. Um, I'd look to those three to really kind of make a big difference in in the backcourt for Iowa this year. Yeah, and, and one of the things that uh... – at least from the outside perspective, you know, Iowa's kind of seemed like is, uh, you know, they don't seem to be guys who they're going to bring in a freshman and he's just going to dominate. They kind of develop and improve each year. Um, who do you, who do you think in that backcourt, you know, maybe Clemens, maybe uh, Jock, you know, who who do you think can improve significantly this year? Kind of along that same uh, timeline for the Hawkeyes. Um, I, you know, I definitely think Jock can become a little bit more consistent. Um, like I said, Clemens, I think getting more consistency out of him too in, in terms of his ability to score and be a leader out there. So I think both of those guys 
definitely have room for improvement. I wouldn't even say improvement, but they just kind of have to step up their game because um, Iowa is losing so oh, much. I think I think you might have cut out again. <laughs> oh, uh, hello. Yeah, yeah, you were uh, you were talking about uh, Jock for a second there. <laughs> yeah, I think that Jock can improve. Um, you know, need a little bit more consistency. The same thing can be said with him and uh, you know Anthony Clemens as well. Just consistency, I think, and that's that's the mm-hmm. one thing that they really lost and um and Aaron White is just that consistent that consistent presence of uh, being able to score being able to to do everything that he did so they need to find more consistency from from the backcourt and I think that Jock is a guy who can step up he has all the talent in the world I mean he's probably one of the more talented players you'll see um it's just kind of getting that more consistently from them and then obviously a lot of that leadership too comes back to Mike Gazelle and just his ability to run the floor his ability to be a a uh, upperclassman who can kind of take control of that offense. And so I think there's a – I wouldn't say pressure, but it's just going to be interesting to see how they they kind of gel. Mm-hmm. Um, it also looks like Iowa – they have a couple new guys coming in, uh, you know, Fleming, uh, Chris uh, Williams. Uh, do you think either of those players will have an impact this year in the backcourt? Yeah, um, I uh, I really like Andrew Fleming. Uh, he's obviously a freshman, six five, one ninety eight though. So he's a bigger guy, has a big frame, and man, he's just a he's a scorer. He he is fearless when it comes to shooting the ball, and got a lot of confidence. He's got a lot of confidence in his his uh, ability to make an impact on the team this year. So he's a guy who I could see McCaffrey using off the bench, kind of a, in, a, in a spark plug role, you know, uh, using his ability to shoot. Um, and Christian Williams is another player, six six, one eighty eight, um, a guard, kind of a swing. And uh, mm-hmm. what you'll notice when you look at uh, what I was doing with recruiting right now is they're kind of going after that type of player who, long, lanky, athletic, can play multiple positions. You know, guard, small forward, maybe even do a little point guard and be able to dribble the ball. So um, you're going to start seeing a lot more of that type of player. In McCaffrey's system, it makes a lot of sense, too, because, like I like I was saying earlier, he likes to roll the ball. He likes to get on the fast break. So being able to find players who are athletic, who have length, you know, can run the court, but also use that length defensively. Um, mm-hmm. And that that would bring me to uh, Jared Utah, who is somebody we didn't talk to at, or talk about at all, but really he's going to be the guy who has to lead this team this year. And I, I kind of pivoted there, but – I think we need to talk about him, you know, the senior, 6'9", 220. And he's another guy who can do so much. I think he's going to be the guy, you know, when we look at this season, who's going to replace Aaron White? That's kind of the big question, you know. And we talked about the backcourt a little bit and, you know, how we how they can get production. But it's going to have to be Jared who's going to be the guy who steps up. 6'9", 220, like I said. Really, you know, he, he's versatile. He can do whatever he wants out there. Good shot. He's got that length, so he really plays a factor defensively. Um, and he's just going to have to be a guy who steps up in big moments because right now they're missing that. But everything I've heard, everything I've seen so far would suggest that he's he's capable and he'll be able to kind of to take that position for Iowa and be that guy for them this year. Oh, I, I am in complete agreement. I, you know, I, I think Utah is uh, – he's kind of one of the guys. I think he's getting really undersold. Uh, this summer, uh, you know, and, and it's just kind of a general theme. I, I think Iowa was, uh, you know, I don't want to get too off track on last year, but I really think Iowa was really underrated last year for the team. Um, you know, I, I think people looked at because they, 
they couldn't quite beat those top end teams, you know, like Wisconsin or Iowa state that um, they really kind of got knocked down and people underrated how good they were. But um, I thought Utah was a, uh, was really good last year and he definitely could grow. Um, do you, would you agree with that or? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see um, because Last year, he really played that complimentary role role to Aaron White, you know. So, um, White was kind of the guy, and Utah was, you know, at times, though, when you were to watch Iowa's games, he was kind of, if White was A, Utah was 1B, you know. So, he was right there with Aaron White as far as his ability to impact the game, as far as his ability to kind of be the guy for the team. So, I think, you know, one, one more offseason has gone past. He's in his senior year. Um, I can see him kind of shouldering the load for Iowa and being – able to able to kind of lead that team because he has all the physical talent in the world. And I think he'll be able to handle that pressure as well of being, you know, quote unquote, the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and with that, why don't, why don't we jump right into the wings? I know we, we've already talked about a couple of them, uh, but one of the players I don't think we have, uh, I, I think there's a couple of incoming recruits. Uh, how, how do you see the wings sort of shaking out, obviously outside of Utah, who we've already uh, <laughs> talked about here for a little bit. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Dom Yule is a guy who um, he's more of a power forward type. But uh, like like I was just talking about, um, McCaffrey kind of really likes the athletic swing type players who can do multiple things. Um, I think that uh, Ahmad Wagner, a freshman, could see some time at small forward, uh, 6'7", 222. Uh, he's kind of a gritty player. So he's definitely somebody that I, I would look to um, in that role. Isaiah Moss, another freshman, 6'5", 196. He's somebody who a lot of people are really excited about. Um, this is another really good athlete, can do a lot good. You know, he can shoot, um, he can dribble. So really it's going to be interesting to see how, how McCaffrey utilizes the players behind Utah because he's he's got a lot of options and a lot of really um, – what's the word I'm a lot of really athletic options you know so he can kind of mix and match a little bit and just try to get some production off the bench and I think that these freshmen that we're talking about they all have the skill set and the ability to to be um people who contribute you know in their first year now if that's you know if everybody gets that amount of time I don't think so but when you just look at their talent uh, I think that they they all have the ability to be uh somebody who comes off the bench and gives Iowa some quality minutes. Dale Jones is another player. Um, uh, he was a Juco player, 6'7", 217. So he's got that you – know, he already has that junior college experience, so he's another guy who I can see coming in and being able to fill a role for Iowa this year. So, really, there's a lot of options. Yeah, and, and one of the, you know, really cool things that, you know, you've, you've talked about uh, a lot here is sort of the diversity. And it seems like, uh, you know, in terms of – taller, more athletic guys who can kind of play, you know, at one of the guard spots or move out to power forward. Uh, this wing group seems to be deep. Uh, it does seem to be a little inexperienced, though, behind Utah, um, but a lot of talent there. Uh, how how deep, you know, do you think this is going to be a group that really just rotates a lot? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of interesting to uh... – you know, when you have that amount of talent as a coach, uh, I think there are two things to, to kind of factor in. First of all, you know, you want to use that talent. Um, but at the same time, if you keep rotating people in and out, especially in a game like basketball where rhythm is so important, you don't really want to kill mm-hmm. that rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. 
So it's going to be interesting to see how McCaffrey kind of goes about it because he does have a lot of talent and a lot of depth, especially in at that wing position. But he's got to he's really got to first of all balance his minutes. You know, make sure that uh, you know the guys who are making an impact are able to make an impact without having to take somebody out and all of a sudden you know somebody who he's going to have to really do a oh go ahead (laughs) sorry okay yeah it's okay i gotta i'm gonna have to call my cell phone provider and fire them um (laughs) uh, Um. yeah so mccaffrey's gonna have to do a good job of uh I wouldn't say coaching, but kind of managing his lineup because, um, I, like like I was just saying, there's there's so many factors to uh, to look at, and I think that you can well maybe, and it's gonna be interesting to see, but I think maybe he'll just have to ride whatever the hot hand is coming off the bench and just kind of you know that could change every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I, you know, I think it's gonna be. Uh, I think early in the year they're going to slide around a lot of those wing guys around some of those backups. See, see who because I mean I I think at least for me in the backcourt and the wing it's pretty clear that Utah and Gazelle are locks to start, and then after that it's going to kind of mix and match. And um, uh, yeah, I, you know I think he's just going to kind of move Utah to fit you know whatever goes best, which is a at least a nice position to be in to have that. Uh, um, that extra flexibility, I guess. Uh, would you agree with that? Or Oh, absolutely. And I think that when you look at the way that Iowa's recruiting, they're kind of setting themselves up to have that flexibility. Um, you know, I, I would say that that's something McCaffrey and his staff are looking for is just versatility and the, and the ability to kind of mix and match lineups and put a guy who you brought in as a power forward, put him at small forward, and then all of a sudden you have a bigger lineup, you know, or – you move him down the center and you're going with a smaller lineup trying to get some speed out there. So I think that he likes that versatility, everything that I've seen from his, you know, just from what he's done with the the current roster last year to what he's doing with recruiting. I think versatility is probably the word that you want to look at. And to your point earlier, if you go back to last season, we keep doing this, but it's really the only reference we have right now for this team other than uh, the PTL league. Um, If you go back to last season, you know, in that first chunk of games, first month or so when they were playing you know smaller teams um mostly at home you know games that they should win easily and they really did win easily you could see that McCaffrey was really kind of tinkering with the lineup he had a a large rotation I I think like 10 guys would get in you know he would really go deep on his bench but then by the time the Big Ten season rolled around that that rotation really tightened up quickly so I think we'll see the same thing this year Mm -hmm. yeah I, I I'm definitely in agreement there um, but spinning off of that, getting to uh, front court here, uh, obviously losing a, a huge player in Olashini. Um I know he, he may have not dominated the minutes up there, but had a huge presence for the team. Uh, how do you see the front court shaking out this year? Well, that's going to be uh, another interesting spot. Obviously, at center, you're going to get Adam Woodbury. Um, seven one two forty nine. He's a big guy, um, and he's you know he's improved, but you know he's he's an interesting player because uh, he he has so much potential, and I think Iowa fans are so wrapped up in his potential and the fact that uh, man he he never really you know seven one two forty nine, and he's got some skills you know down near the basket, and the fact that he's not 
getting double doubles on a on a game in game out basis is a little bit frustrating when you just look at what he he brings to the table. Um, so he's definitely a guy who I think needs to step up this year. Uh, it's kind of an interesting spot because of the way that Iowa plays. You know, they're they're a high tempo. Uh, fast break type team and then there you have Woodbury who's definitely the stand on the block give it into him post up um so he kind of presents an interesting option for them when they do want to slow it down and get into the half court offense and uh, I think he's a guy who you know he plays with a lot of fire a lot of intensity he can be physical so uh he's definitely a guy that I would look at and uh say that you know this he's gonna have to be a guy who steps up um as far as who ends up at power forward, I think uh, they definitely have a couple options. Uh, Dom Mule, I mentioned earlier, um, you know, they could always move Utah to, to the four and go with somebody else at the three. You know, I could easily see a lineup of Gazelle, Clemens, um, you know, at three put Peter Jock, four, you know, Utah and five Woodbury. So uh, they kind of have a couple different options. Uh, earlier I mentioned Dale Jones. Um I don't know if he can necessarily play power forward, but he's definitely, you know, athletic, lanky. So he's a guy who I can see getting some time there. They they have a lot of options, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but that's kind of what it's going to be is, you know, I can see them really shuffling, you know, where – and you said earlier where Utah is kind of determines who fills in at the four or who goes down to the three. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think Ahmad Wagner is another guy who can get some time there. Uh, you know, I mean, it's really going to depend who, who ends up playing best. I think what it comes down to is, uh, Woodbury will be the, you know, the guy at center who they bring in behind him is going to be kind of interesting because they don't have anybody else who's over seven foot. Um, you know, the closest would actually be Yule and, uh, Utah at six, nine. So, you know, when, when they lose Woodbury from the game, whether it be just to the bench or, you know, with fouls, they get a lot smaller. So, that's when I think uh, I was going to really have to start picking up the tempo because they'll have to really change their style and not change their style necessarily, but really focus more and rely more on the athleticism and the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, uh, you know, Woodbury is known for some interesting antics as well as his play. Um, <laughs> I would say last year, you know, with, you know, Kaminsky and maybe a couple of uh, Maryland players, um, in terms of the, uh, I guess the eyepicks, or for lack of a better description, there. Um, what do you what do you make of that? And is it something Big Ten fans of other teams should be worried about at all this year? I guess. No, no, um, <laughs> no. I wouldn't make a huge big deal about it. Uh, you know, the game is a game. You know, things happen, and, you know, especially a guy like Woodbury, everything I've kind of seen from him is he's just a fiery, intense dude. You know, when he plays well, he he really gets his emotions going, and when he doesn't, you know, you could say the same thing. That's that's typical of college kids and athletes. You know, it's such an emotional – to play at that level, you have to be so invested emotionally because, you know, physically it takes everything out of you, so you really have to have that extra oomph. So I wouldn't look too deep into stuff like that unless – you know, unless something looks intentional and that that's, that's up to, uh, you know, the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. I guess, but I wouldn't look too deep into, into anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it kind of got overblown a lot, to be honest. Um, I think he's just a guy who likes to play physical inside and sometimes, you know, that leads to 
him getting into a gray area or maybe pushing it a little bit beyond the line. Um, but I, I don't think anything was intentional. I think it was just, you know, part of the game and unfortunate, you know, step over, I guess. <laughs> but, um, and, and kind of, yeah, yeah. And kind of spinning off of that a little bit, you know, Woodbury, I, I feel like has kind of had a mixed, mixed career so far, uh, at Iowa, um, came in with pretty, pretty high recruiting rankings, or at least, uh, you know, with some scouting services. Uh, do you think he's lived up to the quote-unquote hype, or uh, or do you think he will this year, or or do you think, you know, he uh, hasn't quite uh, lived up to what, what the expectations were? Uh, you know, that's another interesting question. Um, it depends on what your expectations were, I guess, you know. Um I look at a guy who's seven one, two forty five with his frame, um, the offensive game that he does have. You know, I've seen him go up strong, you know, a bunch of times. So he has the ability to be a dominant player who can who can get ten rebounds, twelve points a game, you know, a couple blocks. Um, he has that that frame, he has that size. Um and uh, you know, the thing that I think might hurt him a little bit is he's the only player on this team who has that frame and who has that size. You know, so when they go up against a team who has two big, big guys down in the middle, he's really the only guy doing battling down there in a in a meaningful way. You know, so I think those are that's one thing that hurts him. The other thing is again Iowa's tempo and just the style of play. You know, he might fit more in a in a half court setting where he can get down on the block, the ball rotates around a few times, and you know he can work with his back to the basket. But you know, a lot of times with Iowa, you're on the move. So, um. When I look at him, and I said this last year to to my readers, he should be a guy, and I'll say it again, he should be a guy averaging a double-double. And the fact that he doesn't, in my opinion, is disappointing because, and this is easy for me to say as a sports writer, you know, but at 7'1", 245, if I was that big, I'd be doing everything I could to average double-double. You know, I wish I had that size. So, uh, again, it's a it's a matter of perspectives. What what were the expectations coming in? I didn't have any expectations. Um, but frankly, I always started I started covering the team two years ago, so I had no idea who Adam Woodbury was until two years ago. Um, but that again, that's a uh, again that's a an Iowa thing. You know, like we were talking about earlier, they tend to be I, Iowa tends to be a little bit under the radar, and really they shouldn't be because they have mm-hmm. a lot of talent. So um, it, again, it depends. Uh, like I said, just what I see from him and what I've seen flashes of him, he could be a dominant center. And the fact that he's not, I, I guess you could say that's a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in agreement. You know, I, I don't think he's quite lived up to at least the hopes or the, you know, the chatter when he did originally commit and get on campus. But, but I mean, he's still been a productive player, you know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, sometimes the player gets overhyped and he still has a year left, you know, we'll, we'll see. And it's unfair because a lot of guys really do. I mean, you know, Aaron White was a really good year as whole, or a really good player his whole career, but his senior year is when he really tapped to that next level. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. I think we should wait, you know, after this year and then kind of see, and, and even then, you know, if you're a starter for a whole year, you, you're not a terrible player by any means. Um, oh no, but yeah, yeah. Um but with that, why don't we why don't we jump into uh I believe we talked about them all. Um but Iowa adds a, a 
kind of large recruiting class, um, definitely in terms of commitments, but not necessarily any guys who are, you know, five-star type of guys. Um, but again, uh, a pretty class. Uh, do you want to take a second to talk about what you think of this class, what you think it might do this year, and also long-term? Absolutely. Um, as you know, my uh, my specialty is recruiting right now. Um, I really like what I was doing, and I've said it a couple times, versatility, athleticism. So those are kind of the, the two keys that you look for and what I was trying to build. Um, the big name right now in their 2016 class is Tyler Cook, who is a, a four-star power forward from uh, St. Louis, where I'm from, coincidentally. Um, goes to Chaminade College Prep High School. So it's it's one of the, at least when you're talking about the St. Louis area, that's, that's a top-notch school. So he's not just a, a kid who's playing bad talent, and he looks good because of it. This is a kid who's playing the best talent in the area on a game-in, game-out basis, plus uh, – plus AAU ball. So he's definitely a really good player, 6'8", 240, um, good athlete. Again, there, there's that trend. Um, the fact that he committed to Iowa says a lot, I think, about the program, um, you know, because he had some very interesting very interesting offers, uh, whether, it be, whether it be UConn, uh, Florida, Florida State, Iowa State, Missouri, uh, Kansas. So he had some big-time offers. So the fact that he chose Iowa, it says a lot about the program. And, uh, you know, uh, I think he's going to end up being a really good player for Iowa. A um, couple other guys, Cordo Pencil, I like him a lot. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name right. We've talked a bunch, and I've honestly never asked him <laughs> what his last name actually sounds like. So that's what I call him, Cordo Pencil. Um, and, buddy, if I'm saying it wrong, I'm so sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, he was Iowa's first commitment in this class. And way back when, man, it was a long time ago, uh, January, March, May 2014. I remember breaking that story. One of the first, one of the first recruiting stories I broke, so I really like this guy. Um, number one <laughs> player from the state of Iowa, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, which is kind of the, you know, for those who don't know, it's kind of the, uh, the average of what 24-7 ESPN rivals and scouts says. So I really like using that ranking because it kind of gives you a uh, middle ground on everything. He's number 41 power forward nationally, 6'7", 230. And uh, the thing you got to like about him is he's probably still growing. So, you know, by the time he gets to Iowa, you know, maybe he can be up at 6'9", 250 and kind of be more of that big body type for them down low. Uh, and another big commitment they got recently was Jordan Bohannon, who, uh, again, one of the top players from the state. Iowa always, it seems like in football or basketball, what they love to do is just uh, – you know, locked down in-state recruiting. And I've said this a bunch of times. In-state recruiting is kind of like the lifeblood of recruiting. You know, you can go out to these other states, and Iowa really likes to get into Illinois. But in-state recruiting, you know, you got to lock down the players who are in your backyard, especially if they're talented players. So um, Jordan Bohannon and then small forward Ryan Creener, uh, those are two three-star players. Uh, Bohannon, you know, he's an interesting guy um, as far as just, Really good shooter. He's a, he's a point guard. I think he can probably play shooting guard. And then uh, Creener is, is the same way. Uh, I see him more as a uh, – well, excuse me, not really the same way. I see him more as a power forward, 6'9", 240. So he's another guy who can kind of – you know, maybe he'll bulk up. And that's the thing about these recruits is you never really know how they're going to transition from high school to college. But when it comes to basketball mm -hmm. players, 
the worst thing that can happen is they just put on more muscle and more size. You know, I don't think they're going to shrink. These are big guys. So, uh, overall, this is a very interesting class. Um, Cook is obviously the headliner, but there's a lot of athleticism and a lot of talent. So, when you when you put that with what McCaffrey is already building, especially when you look at the freshmen who are there right now, a lot of athleticism, a lot of versatility. I think Iowa is going to be a very, very interesting program to watch in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just a note for the, for those listening, just so there wasn't any confusion, that was the 2016 class um, for those for those wondering. So they'll be arriving next summer, fallish. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, really, two diverse classes that are really going to strengthen the wing group. Um, a lot of talent, uh, depth. Uh, you know, and and I agree. You know, I I do think Iowa, you know, as I, I talked about at the beginning of the podcast and the, throughout, you know, um, it's been a good run. It, a lot of people I feel like are underselling Iowa's run just because there hasn't been you know an Elite Eight or a Final Four trip or you know a Big Ten title or something like that. But um, three twenty one seasons in a row, they look they. I, I don't want I want to save my prediction for the end, but <laughs> they look like they should be in decent position for this year. Um, definitely a program to watch out for. Um, but uh, jumping off of that, back to uh, to this season, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, Iowa has a kind of an interesting schedule. Um, you know, the Big Ten, people kind of know what to expect by now, who the contenders are, who, who aren't. Um, but non-conference looks like it could be pretty challenging. Um, you know, they play Marquette, Dayton, um, might play Notre Dame. Uh, Florida State, Iowa State, uh, a lot of big challenges. Um, is this schedule too challenging for Iowa this year? Huh, man, that's an interesting question, especially <laughs> when you when you consider all the question marks about the team heading in. You know, how are they going to replace Ola Shaney? How are they going to replace White? So, um, you know, normally maybe you have a couple cupcakes where you can figure things out. But like you said, they they have a tough schedule. They're playing some very good teams, a um, couple of tough road games. So I think McCaffrey, you know, I would think it's kind of a sink or swim thing. You know, let's see what this team can do early on, and then we could kind of establish expectations and establish um, rotations like we were talking about earlier. What's the team going to look like? How is he going to use his players? How is he going to use his bench? And it's easy. You know, it's easy to uh, establish a bench when you're playing, uh, you know, my high school team down the street. But, uh, you know, <laughs> playing some, you know, playing some really tough opponents, I think it tells you what you have early. And uh, and then you can kind of go from there. So I think that if Iowa wants to be seen as one of the top programs in the Big Ten, they have to play this kind of schedule to not only beat good opponents early, but to get that practice of playing – Big time teams in big time spots early on, because uh, mm-hmm. I think I think you mentioned it earlier. You know they've they've struggled at times beating the Michigan States, the Wisconsin's. So you know this season they're gonna have a lot of experience playing some big games. Maybe that'll help them down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and one of the interesting things too that I you know I think a lot of um, at least Iowa fans forget about the non conference play last year is that. You know, on schedule, and you know, part of that was by design. Um, part of that, I think, just kind of happened. I mean, uh, you know, Northern Iowa suddenly being a national contender, I don't think is generally a, a yearly expectation. But um, 
but there they were, you know? <laughs> um, but the thing is, is, you know, they played what five, maybe six really good non-conference games, you know, Iowa state, Northern yeah. Iowa, uh, Texas, Syracuse. Um, I, I know the orange kind of dropped off, but, but really the only big win they had was North Carolina and they still, which again, huge win. <laughs> Can't undersell that. But, um, yeah. uh, but they still were easily made the tournament and, you know, maybe this team isn't as talented as last year's, but I think that shows, you know, yeah, you just have to take care of business in big 10 play. And the thing is, is that if they can pull off a couple of these wins, get used to some road environments, some challenging competition, you know, I think you can, you know, maybe that speeds up the, you know, the freshman learning curve or something, um, you know, to get into a tough environment, you know, like Iowa state and, uh, I, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not going to say they're going to go in there and beat Iowa state, but you know, uh, you know, if you can play tough or, uh, you know, kind of see a road crowd when a team gets on a big run, you know, that, that could, I, I feel like could really, uh, help these freshmen develop. Would you agree with that or? Oh, absolutely. Um, sports is such an interesting thing. Um, <laughs> and I think cause it, it, it plays, uh, now I'm gonna get really deep here, but it, it really plays with your, your psyche in a way. I remember, uh, to kind of use an analogy, my first, I coached football, high school football. So my first mm-hmm. game as a defensive coordinator, that game went so fast, you know, cause I, I was just overwhelmed almost to the point where mm-hmm. everything was just happening quickly. But then as the game progressed, you know, things started slowing down. I started remembering how to coach, you know? So, um, <laughs> and now, you know, you get a couple games in, and it's just normal. It's it's part of how you deal with things. And it's part of who you are. And I think the same thing happens with players, especially when you're talking about young players, is that mm-hmm. that first game, man, the the it looks like there's 10 million people in the stand. Every Everybody <laughs> is booing you. It's loud. The lights are so bright. The rim looks like it's 200 miles away. And mm-hmm. then things start slowing down, you know. And I think partially that's why, you know, teams like to play – you know, my high school down the street because, you know, it allows these players to get some game experience to get their, their confidence up. But nothing really replaces a big game and nothing replaces being able to get through that big game. Sometimes all you can do is just survive it, you know. But mm-hmm. once you realize, hey, this didn't kill me, then you start getting a little bit more comfortable to the point where you can go down to North Carolina, feel comfortable on that in that environment with the TV, with everybody watching. And then it's no mm-hmm. big deal. It's just part of who you are. So I think there's a lot to be said for playing big games early, especially for these freshmen. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, I, I definitely don't want to make the case that, you know, just because you play a tough schedule, you're going to be a great team. Because, you know, I think we've seen, you know, uh, you know Eastern Tech, A&M, you know, they can play the toughest schedule in the world. And you know, they're still a bad team. <laughs> you know, that doesn't do it. But, you know, for a young team like Iowa that – they have talent and they're going to need these freshmen to play in big 10 play. Um, you know, going to Marquette, going to Iowa state, you know, may benefit them. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I, I guess moving on from that, um, back to the, the Hawkeyes themselves. <laughs> um, you know, we've talked a little bit about the wing is going to be kind of interesting. Um, but what, what is something that you think it, is going to surprise the national media or maybe fans or uh, just, I guess, generally, you know, about this Hawkeyes team. Um, you know, some people have talked about, you know, pulling off a big upset or maybe a surprise guy will start. Uh, what do you, what do you think will surprise about Iowa this year? 
Oh man, that, that's a great <laughs> question. You are you are a pro. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I would have to say just the the athleticism. You know, and I've yeah. I've mentioned it a bunch, but just you know, when you look at this team, they're going to be able to push the ball. They're going to be able to push the tempo. And uh, you know, I think it was two years ago. I remember the the big storyline around Iowa was just how many points they were scoring. You know, compared to to who they were playing. And uh, I think you're going to see a team that can push the tempo. You're going to see a team that can score a lot. You know, Peter Jock, like I said, when he gets hot, he can put up, you know, five three-pointers in a row, and all of a sudden, you know, they're doing the math. You're, all of a sudden, that's a big lead. Um, I think Jared Utah, he's going to be a star. I think – I honestly think so. And uh, I think, you know, he's shown that in the past. He has the physical tools. I think he'll be able to take this team on his shoulders. So, um, you know, when when the media – I guess I'm part of the media. So when we look at the Big Ten, I think he's going to be one of the best players in it. And uh, I don't know how many people really follow Iowa basketball. So I think that could be surprising to some people that, you know, he'll be mentioned among the best players in the conference. And then other yeah. than that, I think it's going to be interesting to, to see how those freshmen uh, are involved because they have talent. Um, McCaffrey's not afraid to play young players if they're good. So, you know, you've got a couple really good, talented players. Andrew Fleming is a guy that I would really say to watch out for because he's got that swagger about him, really good shooter, really good scorer, and uh, he's a guy who can come in off the bench, get hot really quick, and change a game. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of playing time he gets. Uh, and you could say the same thing for all the freshmen. They're all really talented. So I was really going to be an interesting team. You can kind of pick your storylines with them. Um <laughs> And especially if if things get rolling, they can really become you know they can become a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have my surprise thing kind of fits into my prediction, so I will save that. But but I do agree with Utah. You know, I I don't I don't want to keep ranting. You know, the same thing uh, that, I, that I've said before. But um, this guy is really getting undersold. I I don't get it. Like to me, the the three guys who, or at least two guys, I think are really getting undersold are Malcolm Hill from Illinois and Jared Utah from Iowa. You know, I think these are two guys, uh, you know, I don't want to talk too much about Illinois. This is the Iowa preview. But, um, but yeah, two guys who, uh, if they played for big teams, I think would be getting so much attention. And not to call Iowa a small team, but, you know, one of the marquee or a top 10 preseason team, something like that. But, um, but yeah, I agree. I think, I think Utah is going to surprise a lot of people. Um, but Jumping into the, uh, I guess the the money part of the the podcast. I haven't come up with a good slogan yet, um, but uh, um, the the best part of the podcast. Uh, season predictions for Iowa. Um, how how do you see this team performing in the Big Ten? Where do you see them fitting in um, postseason wise? Do you, can they make the NCAA tournament? Are they going to uh, be relegated to the NIT? Um, what do you expect out of the Hawkeyes this year? Oh man, you're you are killing me. I uh, <laughs> I um, I I know it, or I don't know. I, I listen to a guy on the radio a lot, um, and he calls predictions WPRE radio, and he says he doesn't do them. And uh, I've, I've always kind of been that way too. Predictions only screw you, man. Predictions never come right. But I, I'll play your game. I'll, I'll do it with you. Um, shoot, if I'm if I'm gonna. I'm going to take the hit anyhow, I might as well go big, right? I, I think that this is a team 
that has pieces to be very good, especially if Utah can kind of step up. I think he will. So I think uh, when all said and done, I think Iowa can make a run. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, I think they're going to do better in the Big Ten tournament than they did last year. <laughs> and uh, I could see that I can see them making a run in that and kind of, you know, especially if they get hot, if the shooters get hot, I can see. And, and that's kind of interesting, too, because either things can go really bad or things can go really good for Iowa. And it's kind of been that way. And that's that's kind of what you get when you're when you're looking at a team with a fast paced tempo. Um, you know, either it's raining, uh, you know, when it rains, it pours or things are going well. So. I think things are going to go good. I think they're going to make a run in the Big Ten tournament. I think they're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And I do not want to say <laughs> they're going to get to the Sweet 16, Final Four, all that bull crap, because you never mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, they'll be in that talk uh, of a team that is a very, very hard draw in the NCAA tournament. And they they could beat a couple, couple teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of see Iowa um... – I think I'm a little higher on them than most people. I see them around uh I think I had them around seventh in the Big Ten, so right right in the upper half. Um the end of the upper half I should say. I, I think I don't think they're quite up to the, the Maryland's Indiana, the two Michigan schools, um, those type of programs, but I do think this is a team that's gonna be solid. Um and I, I think it has uh what should I say? Um I think they're going to have two things that are going to really help them in their NCAA tournament campaign. Uh, The first is I, you know, their schedule, I know we've talked about it. It's a very difficult schedule, but the one interesting thing is, is that like, I think, I don't think it's as bad as it looks just generally. Um, It's going to be very tough. Again, I don't want to say it's not, but like, there are some questions about Iowa State, you know, new coach, who knows. Um, Florida State's beatable at home. Notre Dame is going to likely drop off some. Dayton is beatable. Marquette is beatable, even though it's on the road. Like, I, I think they're going to have a pretty good non-conference performance. Um, and I know, you know, I probably should knock on wood or something about that. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think they are. I, I think they're going to they're gonna pull the right strings to get a pretty good record. And then, um, you know, personally, I think Iowa has one of the better home court advantages in the entire Big Ten, um, which I think says a lot because there are a lot of great home courts. But um, I think they're going to take care of business against, um, you know, the Minnesotas, the Northwesterns, the Penn States, uh, the Nebraskas, those types of teams at home. And I think they're going to be able to knock enough of those teams off on the road to get into the NCAA tournament. Um you know, I'm I'm not sure how far they'll go. You know, like you said, it's predicting the NCAA tournament is just madness without knowing the matchups. And even if you do, it's kind of madness as we've seen. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, I I think this is going to be a a solid team. I don't think it'll be a great team, but I do think it's a team that uh will will be able to beat um uh some teams on a, most of the Big Ten on any given night. Um. But yeah, Andrew, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, we really appreciate your insight uh, regarding the Hawkeyes. Uh, any any final thoughts on Iowa, the Big Ten, uh, college hoops before we let you go here? Yeah, let me just say, um, like like I was saying, uh, I'm transitioning away from covering the Hawkeyes. So first of all, if you know there are any Iowa fans out there listening, which I hope and pray there are, and I know there are, um, <laughs> really want to 
you know, to anybody who's ever read anything I've done, I really appreciate that. And uh, I want to say thanks. Uh, Iowa fans are great. You know, um, they they love their school. Um, and, you know, like we were talking about, I was kind of undervalued. And I think that's a shame because, like you said, Carver Hawkeye Arena is really cool. Kinnick Stadium is really cool. Iowa City is awesome, man. I mean, that is the college experience. That's a college town. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with, with not much else sports-wise going on around the immediate area, you know, those those fans there just love the Hawkeyes. And so when you go over to Iowa City and see a game, it is crazy. You know, there's a lot of people who really care about these teams. So mm-hmm. um, I do not think they should be undervalued because it's a cool place to play, especially, you know, just switching to football for one second. They've got that <laughs> new – you know, they've got the new facilities. So they, they've really invested a lot in Hawkeye sports, and the fans, I think, are 10 times even more invested. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Iowa can do. Uh, back to basketball, I think McCaffrey is a great coach, and he's, he's moving that program in the right direction. So um, good luck, Hawkeyes. Uh, I think there, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot to like there. I think there's definitely a lot to like. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, Andrew, uh, thanks for joining us, and we appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, and, again, that was uh, Andrew Kula from uh, Today's You is where he writes now. Um, I recommend it. I actually do some writing for Today's You as well. Um, Andrew does a lot of the recruiting stuff over there. Uh, if you're into college sports, which if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you are, Um Definitely check out today's you. You know, it's really a site that's coming on, and I think uh, is putting out a lot of great t- content there. But um, yeah, really appreciate Andrew coming over and joining us. Um, and thanks for everyone for listening today. Uh, our Iowa podcast preview. Um, Hawkeyes look like a intriguing team this year. Maybe not necessarily a a Big Ten title contender, but a team that I, I do think is going to get into the NCAA tournament. I think is going to do some damage in non-conference play and. Uh, We'll continue the the recent upswing in the Iowa program. But, again, uh, I'm Thomas Bendit, the manager of BT Powerhouse. You can check me out on Twitter at T-B-E-I-N-D-I-T. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time.